It's time to continue with our exploration of Dimitri's tree. And if I may suggest, let's do it by finding somewhere to eat. For the moment, we will hurry down the street in search of a suitably enticing Huey restaurant. This will not be very difficult, as restaurants and food stalls run by Huey are naturally quite common in Luigi. More interestingly, Huey Yuri's are well known all over China, catering to many more than those who must follow Islamic dietary requirements. With menus full of beef, lamb, noodles and flatbread, it's perfectly possible to get your hands on a bowl of Langzhou beef noodles in just about any decently large Chinese city. The question of just how Chinsen food has come to hold such a disproportionate place in the culinary scene of such a Han-majority nation is one that we will be exploring today. To understand this, we must explore the history of economic pressures on urban enclaves like Noiji. Finding work in any place as the member of a minority can be pretty hard, even if your community has been in that city for more than a millennia, like the Hui in Beijing. It's not surprising, then, that members of such enclaves tend to stick together and over time become known for filling a particular economic niche. Often, that is in the supplying of ethnic cuisine. In the case of the Hui, however, the situation is a little more complex. By the time of the Qing dynasty, Luiji was the centre for the trade and slaughter of livestock, like sheep and cattle, though not pork, for obvious reasons. This arose out of Luigi's location. Being on the very edge of the old inner city, at the location of a gate, the district was the natural first point for arrival of livestock coming to market from the south and west. Over the centuries, however, Beijing grew, leaving Luigi far from the edge of the city, and so leading to a decline in the livestock trade by the end of the Qing dynasty. In its place, the residents of Luigi had begun to cater to the other needs of Beijing's wealthy residents becoming known for jade carving. Jade, for those unaware, is traditionally quite valuable in China, having been long associated with life, well-being, and immortality. Hui artisans in Luigi became well known for carving jade into decorative and ceremonial tablets and ornaments, particularly for a process of crafting the objects to appear ancient. This too came to an end, this time with the victory of the communists in the Chinese Civil War. Under the New People's Republic, particularly after the Cultural Revolution, old feudal practices, such as jade carving, were discouraged, leaving the local industry that had developed there, and ending it. Though no longer disapproved of, the loss of much of the knowledge regarding the practice means that the craft has not seen any meaningful rebound today. This then leaves the question, how to earn your daily bowl of noodles? The answer, interestingly enough, comes from the intersection of China's Marxist-Leninist state, its ethnic policies, and those very noodles. Viewing material development as a linear path, a Marxist state's primary concern is the swift advancement of society from the earlier stages of civilization towards the ultimate goal of communism. From the perspective of an early 20th century Marxist, what then to do about certain groups in society appearing to be at an earlier, backward stage comparing to other groups? Lenin's answer, at least rhetorically, was a united federation of natural bodies who would aid in the development of the backward nations, whilst fostering a feeling of unity and fraternal relationship between all citizens. As the Leninist Party, the CCP took much from this in the construction of the People's Republic of China. The differing needs of minority would be catered to, and, at least theoretically, everyone would have a strong level of understanding and solidarity for the ethnic diversity of the nation. For the way, this included provision for dietary concerns, such as extra stipends to purchase the more expensive beef and lamb, relative to the far more abundant pork, and the establishment of state-run Jinzen restaurants. 
It was these restaurants that would provide the origins of Hue cuisine's modern availability. Providing employment and food, such restaurants became local meeting places, in some ways usurping the traditional place of mosques for community gathering. By the late 1980s and the economic transformation under Deng Xiaoping, Chinzen restaurants had become a phenomenon anywhere Hue lived. Here again, we see how the broader situation of Beijing and China, both economically and politically, shaped the lives of Hue living in Nuiji. That Beijing's growth around the community shaped the lives of Hue over time, while the particular policies of state would have several substantial impacts in the space of just a few generations. Perhaps this is something to mull over while you enjoy your bowl of Langzhou beef noodles before we return, once again, to the street outside.